1: Questions you always had, the answers you were never given, the place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas.
0: Greetings to everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas at veritasradio.com. I'm your host Mel Fabregas and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time or the truth journey brought you here, welcome home. And if you want to listen to tonight's full interview and every single interview we have ever done, subscribe. Go to veritasradio.com and you'll get your login immediately. And the same goes for Sanitas radio if you really want to upgrade your life just like I have so I hope that you can experience it too so you can transform your life and if you want to be a guest on this radio program have a suggestion or simply want to get in touch with me just simply go to the contact button of our website through the ages every generation has had to face difficult challenges at this point in time these challenges have taken on extreme proportions on a scale never seen before. When faced with threats and intimidation, most individuals have chosen to lower their eyes, take a step back and accept the oppressors. Others have given up, believing that nothing can be done to change the outcome and that the best thing is to bury their heads in the sand, pretending that everything is okay. Anxiety, hopelessness, frustration, and despair have become a mainstream way of living. Tonight, we'll have a candid conversation about the social engineering of the 20th century, how it led to our planet being terraformed almost without our knowledge, and what we can do about it. It's not as hard as you think. The side effects of global medical experimentation are devastating and fatal unless we act. We'll discuss our Department of Education or Indoctrination, the mainstream media, or the entertainment or entrainment industry. And is Babylon falling? All of it. With tonight's special guest, Kara St. Louis, a writer, teacher, activist, and speaker hailing from the American Southwest, who is currently in London. Infused with the old spirit of the sovereign individual, she has been and continues to be committed to Waldorf School's teaching, which is the pedagogy centered around protecting the imagination of the human being. She has been a journalist for such publications as Veterans Today, and is the author of several books, including Consolada's Companion, about the dark side of iconic presence in our lives, and Dangerous Imagination, Silent Assimilation, which is the paradigm-shifting book, which flings the doors open to expose the vast coordinated manipulations to control and dominate humanity. She will be speaking in Vienna in a few weeks on the kidnapping of our children by the government. In late July, she embarks on a tour down under. With knowledge, we can move to the next level and take our planet back. And directly from London, England, I'd like to welcome Kara St. Louis. Hello, Kara. and welcome to Veritas. How are you?
1: Hi Mel, I am doing very well and I'm very happy to be here. Thank you.
0: Oh, thank you. Thank you. And as I said before, I've had a few recommendations to have you on and we finally we finally had you come over here. Let's start with you. I read some of the bio, but I'm very curious as to what brought you to this platform tonight.
1: Ah, uh, well, it's um uh, it, it doesn't cover a long period of time, Mel. It's only been four or five years, but it's been packed. It's like universes have been packed in that four or five years. Um, I should start, I guess, at the very beginning. I, I tell this story every, generally every time I'm uh, new to a show. Um, and for a while there, I wondered if people were tired of hearing it. And then I thought, no, most of the world really hasn't heard this story yet. So um, the beginning of my story And how I ended up on your show started in 2010, Um, July 11th, 2010, to be exact. My it was a Sunday. I was living in Maine. And at that point in time, I was a mom. I've always been a writer and a teacher and lots and lots of other things like like everybody else in the world. Uh, But essentially at that point, I was just raising my children. And uh, we lived in a sunny little seaside town, very low population. My mother had come out to visit us. uh, Well, not visit us. She'd actually come out there to live because she knew the children were growing up and getting ready to leave home. And she wanted to spend some time with them. Now, on that Sunday, she was walking from her house to church believe it or not about a block and a half from her house and um she had just about gotten across the street and she was run down by a van a man in a van and she went to the hospital and uh died in my arms a few hours later about four hours later now essentially that seems like just a horrific experience for anybody to have and of course it is a horrific experience uh it was for the town, for me, for my children and everything. But uh, the reality was my mother had worked for the U.S. Navy. My mother had worked for the um, Office of Naval Research here in London for many Eastern Bloc scientists and many Operation Paperclip scientists, um, of several of whom I met when I visited her. Uh, and these were men who worked with atmospheric physics. These were men who worked with microwave weapons. You know, anything state of the art, anything just really out there for the Navy, including psychological warfare, meteorology, just anything that you can think of. And her job was to uh, run this uh, uh information um, brochure that went out, I think, once a month, basically, called the fact sheet. And what the fact sheet was, was technology transfer for these scientists around the world. And it was her job to make sure that uh, their, their work was summarized, their work was accessible, their work was understandable because many of these men and women mostly men did not english was not their first language i'm sure you can imagine there were many germans for sure. example um and so her job was not necessarily to understand all of the science behind what they were putting out but certainly to make it understandable as it went around the world in summary form and you know she she was no scientist but she was a very intelligent woman and i'm sure that she understood a lot of what crossed her desk And the fact of the matter is she couldn't talk about it with me or anybody else, but she did say to me more than once that what she saw that crossed her desk scared the hell out of her, okay? So she saw a lot of things that I didn't know about, but I'm sure were, I mean, she had a pretty high security clearance. Anyway, so that putting this random, this very, very random event of her dying in that way, Um, And by the way, at that point, she was 74 years old. And I know for a fact, she could barely remember her own social security number at that point, you know. However, she was a loose end. And I kind of, it just wouldn't, the feeling that this had not been an accident just never left me, Mel. And so, of course you hate you. I mean that just that just fills you with fear when you're thinking about things like that and it took me it, I was I was trying to get over this horrific incident for months and months. I could not get any information about my mother's death which was very bizarre because I was the sole survivor. I literally had to have my attorney write a letter to the Uh, local police department reminding them that I had the right to the information that there was such thing as a free as freedom of information um and that really didn't do me any good for a while either but then um that was July so along about November I got a a letter in the mail that was hand addressed and with no return address on it and someone had slipped a very short and sweet police report into an envelope and sent it to me and I still don't know who sent it to me um but at least I had a little bit of information. So you know, I, you live with these things. You, you try not to think that that could be the case, but you you wonder if that if that, in fact, you just never left me. Now, Christmas of that year, december thirty first of that year was the day that John Wheeler was found in a dumpster in Washington. Do you remember?
0: V- vaguely refresh my memory please.
1: Yeah, John Wheeler was uh a West Point graduate. He had been an advisor to three presidents. He was a, he was the guy who got the Vietnam War memorial put up. And he uh had been a liaison between lots of agencies that were trying to get work for the United for states government and a liaison with the pentagon and then on december 31st of 2010 they found his body in a dumpster and clearly
0: you this know, is 2010 sort of, not too long ago
1: yeah not too long ago not too long ago and um while i'm not suggesting that my mother and, and john wheeler knew each other it it really sort of brought that back to the you know to the front of my mind that civilians working for the military tend to be very very expendable and the very next day mel on top of that was the day all the birds started falling from the sky in arkansas
0: i remember that and
1: the fish it was the it was 24 hours later and i was and the birds were washed or the fish were washing up on the shore and you know that by no means was that an isolated incident and it's still going on to this day that's really sort of a natural holocaust but when i saw that happen and I know that the state of Arkansas was trying to convince us that 10,000 blackbirds fell out of the sky because they were scared to death for, from firecrackers. Right. But no one in the world believes that. Um, I thought, you know, that's a weapon. That's that's some kind of um, microwave weapon or electromagnetic weapon. I mean, they're testing something. And sure enough, um, when a necropsy was performed on those birds, it turned out that they had no – external injuries but all of their internal organs had essentially exploded so you know it doesn't take a a rocket scientist to understand potentially what probably excuse me we can say probably what happened in that case so this brought me back in my mind again to all of the people that my mother was working with they were working with these kinds of things okay now um I started to, what I, what I decided to do was write about it because I am a writer. Obviously, that was the way for me, to, one of the ways for me to work this out. So there was a book that came out of that. It's called The Sun Thief, and it is a very thinly veiled account of my uh, two things, really. My trip down memory memory lane, trying to piece together how this could have happened and the things in my memory, remembering how she could have ended up in a position like this on the one hand, Um, and on the other hand, um, the first thing I came up against when I started looking into this was of course chemtrails, because that's right in your face. As soon as you start researching electromagnetics or, or, um, atmospheric physics or any of those sorts of things, you know, and, um, once I dove into that deeply, deeply enough, you know, I was absolutely horrified. Like all of us are when we first start finding out about that and, um, what the book gave me an opportunity to do was invent a character a pilot so i have two stories going in that book one is the the true story of my mother and myself and my family and and the journey that i went on to try to find out what the hell happened to her and the other was the other is a story of a pilot that came to my imagination i don't believe we actually write fiction um it's still in my mind that it, when that situation is is solved when it's when the truth finally really does come out, it will be from the inside, and I also don't like to write books that have dismal endings. I don't like to write hand wringers. I like to write books that have actually have um, solutions. You know.
0: Well, so how do we trust and, it? How do we trust it? How do we trust when the truth is allegedly coming from the inside? How do you we discern? Well,
1: yeah, you don't. I mean, you just have to keep looking, keep looking, keep looking, and I think that. Um, it is very difficult to do. Um, before we leave the topic of, of that particular book, though, let me just give a, a shout out to somebody who really helped me with that book. Sure. Um, I, When I first started looking into chemtrails and listening to interviews and things like that, there was a fellow called Mark McCandless. You've probably come across
0: him. Yes, of course.
1: Um, Marky is a really good friend of mine now. Because I came up against the aviation portion of this book, and and knew that I knew absolutely nothing about aviation, and I've been listening to Mark's lectures, and Mark was the first person who made all of the absolute science, the basic science that goes along with understanding chemtrails, that understands with uh, that goes along with understanding, you know, the absorption of the bioabsorption of aluminum nanoparticles and all of that stuff. Was Mark McCandlish, and so I contacted Mark. I didn't know him at the time. I just sent him an email, and I asked him if he would have a look at the um, aviation in the book because there's nobody in the world who knows more about black, you know, uh, advanced materials and uh, and uh, skunk works and out there aviation than Mark. And he agreed to. Not only did he agree to do it, but he spent about six months working on the book with me to make sure the wow. aviation was proper. Not for and never once did he ask for a cent or anything, just a just a thank you. You know what I mean? So I always try when I'm talking to the United States, especially in your neck of the woods, to give a shout out to Mark because he certainly deserves it. Certainly. Anyway, in terms of discernment, that is a very, very good question. Um, with all due respect to my current host, of course, uh, I have to say that it was necessary for me to leave the United States to begin with to finally get my information back into the United States, and that is because the U.S. tends to be under information lockdown. Have you, you kind of under, you kind of have a of a relationship to what I mean by that? I
0: it have a be, feeling, but how about could, your your side where you are? Isn't that a little bit cagey as well?
1: Well, it is, but I'm actually using that, Mel, because the, because London is one of the three centers of you know, uh, despicable activity in the world.
0: Vatican, so, Washington, D.C. D.C. and London.
1: There you go. London is the um, economic center, the economic center of the spider right. web. So nothing is... It, it, everything that comes from London is given it, is given a free, re, free ride out of here. And that's because they're doing... They're doing their business, and so it's like this. It's like riding the crest of the information wave here. They don't mm-hmm. stop anything, really, and so I'm just kind of hitchhiking on the back of this information that, that flows from London unimpeded because they've got their business to do, and it's got to get around the world, and so when I find, when I first came to London, I discovered that that was how I was going to be able to get my information back into the United States and around the rest of the world. Um, and that has turned out to be the case because the United States is very much in a bubble because it's very difficult to get information into the US. And by the way, it's just as hard to get information into Australia and the other English speaking countries. Oh, it's in fact, it might even be a bit worse, Mel. Um Coming to London is what allowed me to finally get my foot in the door in the United States and uh, be listened to. But you have to always be careful because, you know, you know, I, I don't want to pick on the United States, but I will say that I think, especially in the U.S., um, everything tends to be Hollywoodized and um, you end up with activists who develop huge egos. And do you know what I mean? And it becomes the cult of personality and there's competition and, you know, just all this other stuff. And I, and, and I just, I, I feel like because I'm out here, I don't have to compete or participate in any of that. Do you know? Mm -hmm. And so it feels less heavy to me. It feels cleaner. And in terms of discernment, um, I think that we are always on our guard all the time. Do you know? Um, And as we go through the information that comes to us, it seems to me that, I don't know, 75% of the time, maybe, we end up finding out that part of what we just heard isn't true, or there's something shaky about Whoever said what it was, but that's the other game people play around the, around the world, especially disinfo agents. They, they discredit each other. They discredit us all the time. And pretty soon you just have to, I mean, basically you have to trust your gut. I trust my gut a lot. There are a lot of people out there who prefer uh, scientific evidence and there's plenty of that on almost every front. So as long as you're willing to do your own research which is what my work ends up being pointed toward you doing your own research. Um, You either convince yourself that something is true or you convince yourself that something is false. You also get a really good sense smell for what my husband calls the truth sandwich, which means there's, you know, a lot of truth wrapped in a lot of crap, you know, this thin slice of truth in the middle of the sandwich with, with a slice of lies on one side and a slice of lies on the other. I mean, the powers that be are really, really good at concocting that kind of stuff. So you do get a sense, but but the thing is, you have to do a lot of um, a lot of research and get a lot of information under your belt, so you have a, a database, an information base to work with. You know,
0: when you talk so, about anyway. when you talk about the, we can st- now start diving into. All this. By the way, if I feel not i my asking, your co-author, Harold Cotville, I'm not yes. sure if I'm pronouncing the, the name correctly. Yes. But something happened with him lately.
2: Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008.